All right, welcome to the Draft Champions Podcast. I'm here with the War Dog. What's going on, buddy? What's up, brother? Long, Long time t- no see, man. Exactly. It was great to meet you in Vegas. Um, was that your first time in Vegas? No, it was my second time doing a main event in Vegas. I did the main event in Vegas in 2018. But my first two drafts in Vegas were um, with NFBC were in 2010 and 2011, uh, doing these like uh, $500 leagues. These used to be called a double play. Oh yeah, and some other thing. So it was um, that was my first. That was my first NFBC event. It was a five hundred dollar league, and I did it the same. Then the following year, it might have been like five fifty in two thousand eleven. In two thousand twelve, I did a. They had launched this contest that lasted one year called NFBC Twelve. It was a thousand dollar twelve team league. Yeah. And Greg was really thought that twelve team would be like the the future of like the kind of like a main event to rival that, and it didn't sell out. It didn't do good. And then um, I decided to jump into the main event 2013. I haven't really looked back. Well, awesome. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm coming back every year. It was a ton of fun. I got to meet everyone for the first time. And it, I feel like I knew everyone, but um, is there anyone that you met for the first time that was uh, kind of cool? It was a bunch. I mean, um, we, ha- we had a nice little crew on Saturday after the draft with, uh, with Fish and, and Gialdi. Yeah. And uh, Doug Roth and, and uh, Jim. Um, Jim Tomini. And yeah. um, I mean, you know what? I thought it was really cool on Friday night that I met for the first time. And I want to, I don't want to, I think, okay. The partner is Sackett and Slack, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the taller one is Sackett, right? Yeah. I, they're, yeah, they're both, no, well, they're both taller than me, but yeah, the, the, the taller one's one got more of a crew cut, right? Brian Slack got more of a crew cut, right? Yeah. Yeah. These glasses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, so I met Brian Slack briefly, but I, I talked with Nick for uh, a good 40 minutes or so at Vlad's party. Right. And, we, and I really, so I really enjoyed meeting. I didn't know who, I mean, I knew them from being on um, KJ Duke's uh, NFBC uh, main event ranking. They're ranked third all time. Yeah, they're good. So I, I, I knew that they were very good, but I didn't, so I got a chance to really talk to them. So that was really cool to, to, uh, have a good conversation in person. I got to meet Stryker for the first time in person. Yeah. So uh, that was good to, Wait, was good stri- to see him. Stryker's who? A, a Stryker Genstad. You know, oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Podcast on, yeah. On I was going to say. Yeah. Stryker featuring Erickson. I didn't know that. I didn't know that was his nickname, to be honest. Okay. Yeah. So Stryker, we got to meet him. Um, I got to meet Paul Spore, who I never had spoken to before. Yeah. All these guys uh, I got to meet. I met all these guys too. It was great. And I like, um, yeah, Jensen yeah, and, time, and yeah. Erickson were, the, were guys that I like listened to every time, every one of their podcasts. I didn't get to talk to them for a long time, but I did get to talk to them a little bit. And those two, those are two guys that I was really happy that I got to meet. And yeah, Spur- I, 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 I met cool Jeff briefly in, in 2018. He was in my main event draft 2018. We got a chance to talk this time around. Uh, I had met Vlad in 2018 briefly, but I got a chance to talk to him more with him. Oh, I got to meet Maddie Davis. Yeah. Um, and then, my, then my, uh, my fellow police, our fellow police act, Dave, Dave McDonald. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was the guy that I had to meet. He was one of the guys that I went yeah, down Yeah, he was there. great. He, I had to yeah, meet him, I, if anyone. I had to meet Dave. What, what, I, think my, uh, I think maybe my favorite person uh, that I met might have been DuPont. I had, like, a, uh, that guy, talk, I could talk to the guy for hours. That guy's, I don't know if you met him. Jason DuPont? DuPont. Jason DuPont. No, I don't think I met him. He, I, 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 he has to come on this podcast. He's probably, he was the most entertaining guy that I talked to. But okay. uh, I, 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 I love meeting a lot of people, but he uh, he's the winner of the weekend for me. Michael Gobier was nice to meet. Uh, yep. Great character. And then all, I, I really enjoyed talking to all the Razzball guys. 
A couple of them were in my draft. I did get to meet them at, the, at a dinner the next night on this on the sun Saturday night. Um, I met okay. um, whatever Rudy yeah, Gamble. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, so many others. Uh, yeah, there's so there's so many. There's so many. There's so many. It was great to meet. Uh, oh, Dan Semzel. Did you get to meet him with this? I film? did. Yeah, I did. He, he was in the Midnight Madness draft for me, and I got to meet my good friend Mark Winoker. And, oh, uh, Mark Winoker, who, who yeah. gave us everybody those chips. That was fantastic. Yeah. And then Mike Mager, his partner, I got to meet him. I talked to them for a while. Dave and Jake. Yeah, yeah there's just too many people, too many people to list. Um, yeah, all the flag, flag oh, Rob Geese, before I forget him. Yeah. Black Settler. Yeah. So, yeah, but there's too many. Too many I know people. we're forgetting some, but obviously, Obviously, Vlad, too. Vlad's one of the reasons I came yeah. down. He's one He's one of the guys that sort of twisted my arm and Mike the Mouth, of course. Mike the Mouth. Like, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike had, I already had met. Yeah, no, I hadn't met him, surprisingly. But yeah, like, it was, it was awesome. So um, you've done you've done three. I think you did one online, and then you did, you did two main events there. Well, technically, uh, it was one online that Thursday, one live with, you know, the seven leagues drafting. And then technically, my Sunday one was... I think 10 of the people were live, but I, right. I, I wanted to do Sunday morning. So I drove back early Sunday morning so I could draft online on a, a Sunday afternoon. Oh, so cool. I did, I got, I got the benefit of getting those two breaks while I'm online. Nice. So that was actually nice. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. So uh, let's, let's look at these drafts. Like, like okay, let's do we, it. We, we were talking about them before we started recording and you did three drafts, but there were, pretty different in terms of maybe you have some overlapping players, but the, the strategy is, is very different in terms of how you construct them in each of these drafts. So let's look at, um, let's just yeah. get, let's just get. And, and even, though, even though two of them are the same draft slot. Yeah. So you got, so yeah, let's talk my, about that first. You got the one slot yeah. in one of them and the other two drafts, which slot did you have? I have the, I have the, I have the draft where you had picked one pulled up, but the other two, you were somewhat in the middle, right? I was seven in both. And, and, that, and seven was my second choice in KDS behind one. Okay, what's your rationale there? So, well, and, and even after I knew I got one the first draft, I still kept one on the next two. Mm-hmm. And I would have been fine building three teams with Trey Turner. Yeah. I think Trey Turner brings so much optionality to, to, to take advantage of, of luxuries, even in the yeah. early rounds. And we could discuss one of the luxuries I took in the early, in the early draft with, with Turner. Yeah. Uh, where other, with other, any other player in the first round, I probably wouldn't take that same. Maybe Jose Ramirez. But mm-hmm. I, Bichette to a lesser extent, but he just uh, he just gives you a lot more luxury. And then I really like pick seven because I really look at the end of the day. I, there's one team I love more than all the other teams, which is my third team, and that that team just got decimated two days ago with the Jacob Degrom news. That's unfortunate. But you know what? It, it is you know, but it's fine. Uh, I still feel like I got a lot of value in other spots in that league, and we're, we're gonna try to work around it. Um, but do you think people are going to be dropping Degrom? I don't think so. I don't Not, think so. I, I was no. talking right now. We just had some conversation online. Uh, one person said, "Oh yeah, he's a drop," and everybody pretty much said, "No, I think that he's going to get another MRI in three and a half weeks, so three yep. weeks into the season." You got to wait till that second MRI comes. If the second MRI says he's going to be shut down for another four weeks, then you probably mm-hmm. got to drop him because now you're talking about he's missing at least three months, best case of the season. And yeah. Did you, you hear what Showalter said? You hear what Showalter said? Yeah, with the All-Star break. Yeah, it's like yeah. making a trade, the All-Star break. That's what I'm saying. So, like, if the second MRI comes in three, four weeks from now, and they're saying they're going to wait one more month, then at minimum he's missing three months, potentially missing the whole year, you've got to cut him. Because you can't – the the yes, if you knew for sure he's back July 1st, he might be a hold if you have three months out of him. But you don't know if the second MRI doesn't start a throwing program. 
If he starts yeah. a throwing program, can he still have setbacks and miss the whole season? Yes. But he starts a throwing program. There's a shot he's back in June. Even a better shot he's back in July, and you got to hold him. Right on. Yeah, I think um, if, he, if he does get dropped, he'll get picked up by someone. Of course he would. And if he's still going right now, in obviously there's only been two drafts, but if, he's, if he went in the 13th and the 15th in these two drafts, and even if that's people are reaching, even if he's an 18th-round pick, uh, most 18th-round picks would get picked up right away in Fab right now, right? That's, I mean, people are drafting him knowing what's going on. Right, right. So, so you can't you, cut him. Are you taking him or Chris Sale at this point? I, I think that, oh, one's got a, a rib injury, right? So, I mean, that's a lot safer, so you kind of know. But <clears throat> problem is that Sal hasn't been the same guy the last couple of years. Right. I think I'd take DeGrom. So what, you, so what are you doing? There? Like, I mean, it's on the risk-reward. Right now, you take DeGrom. And, and after a second MRI, that could all change. The second MRI is, is if they put him on a throwing program, as soon as hmm. second MRI is over, then – then of course DeGrom's got more value, but I, don't I think know. it's I mean, depends right a lot on, on format. I think the main event is a lot harder to hold someone that, you know, that's going to be out for a longer time. I don't it think, is. I don't know. I don't know if I could take DeGrom at this point in a main, but like in a 12 team league, I could take, I, I, I'd much rather take the risk. Um, I would not take him now. Even after the current draft, I would not take him now. No, I wouldn't. But, I wouldn't but once you've, it doesn't matter. I know, you know, some people there, you know, the, the idea of sunken cost, that's really, uh, not necessarily apples to apples here because the way you build construction of a team, especially when you use a first round pick on them, the team is constructed in a certain way that you can't just cut that, cut that cost early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I understand what you're saying. So, um... Um, so yeah, so, so, so obviously, so I had seven guys. I really liked um, uh, the top five hitters, Corbin Burns, and I like Jacob DeGrom. And so you're saying, well, what about Garrett Cole? I, I mean, to, to be fair, I know we've talked about this last year. I have an algorithm for pitchers that I put together, and, and Garrett Cole doesn't seem to score as high in the algorithm. And I think the reason is because a lot of Garrett Cole's value comes in that he pitches so many innings and amasses so many Ks, and he pitches for these you know, great Yankees team that could get a lot of wins. So – uh, wins the stat does not necessarily. I I, I don't. I got to find a way to maybe tweak the algorithm to account for like Vegas odds on on team wins to try to maybe incorporate that a little bit better in, into because I really have a hard time um, valuing wins. But I just think that, and, and he also didn't pitch as well after the sticky stuff. I just think that he's a great pitcher, and I have no problem with him going number one overall amongst pitchers. But I, I just preferred Burns and Degrom over him. Right, so let's let's remind everyone uh, from last year. Like you had you have you have an algorithm algorithm that uh, performed yes. pretty well last year. Who were the like? I think you had six pitchers that were that your algorithm spat out that were going to be that that showed you that uh, they might be elite. Who were they, and how did they perform? Uh, heard- so it was hit, it was hit or miss. I mean, um, the number one guy last year was um, Shane Bieber, who who performed until he didn't perform. Right, so that was good. I'd say that was just an injury. Um, and then number two is Jacob Degrom, who had piped same, together same thing. the most incredible season. But those are the easy ones, right? Then um, I think the algorithm missed a bit with uh, Giolito. Okay. But I think maybe the algorithm also didn't miss because Giolito is one of the six guys to hit the top over seventy this year in the algorithm. So maybe Giolito came out to be a, a little bit unlucky. It's, it's again, pitchers are a smaller sample size. Right. Um, 
the algorithm missed on uh, Kenta Maeda. Right. Just a, he was a flat tire. Mm -hmm. And then the later guys, uh, you had Freddie Peralta and Eliezer Hernandez. Freddie Peralta was obviously a big time hit for where his draft value was. Right. And, I, and the team that, that my team that won the main event league, I had Freddie Peralta. And Eliezer, what a, what a just, um, we just don't know. He had two starts, then he got hurt. Then he would, they put him down AAA when he was rehabbing. And he had three straight starts down in like Jacksonville. He first he was in Jacksonville, then he went wherever the, he was like killing it. He actually won the AAA player of the week, comes up to the majors and like blows his quad out running on, running around the bases. I remember that. So um, that's definitely an incomplete grade. Um, and I was kind of, and I really, you know, I was really high on him. So I was high on, on obviously I was high on, on him and Freddie. And, um, and the year before, Please Zach was three. I'm sorry. Wasn't Please Zach one of your guys where he did perform? He performed? Oh, yeah. Please Zach was the seventh guy. Yeah. Please Zach was one that, that was a complete. Yeah. We don't want to talk about him right now. All right. Sorry. My bad. No, that's right. And then a the year before, um, my number one. So for two straight years, my number one was Bieber. And that's when um, Bieber was like the fifth or sixth pitcher off the board. He was number one. And he had a fantastic 2020. I know it was a short season, but yeah. Um, and then DeGrom was number two. And number three, was Corbin Burns and I took him four out of my six sprint main event leagues. That's, I tried that's to eat huge. him as, as much as I could. Um, but then this past year, what I noticed is that Corbin Burns came out like uh, in at least for the the um, when I did the 2021 algorithm for the 2020 short season, despite Corbin Burns being great, um, he kind of came up as like a 67 or 68. So he was able to 70 cut line. So uh, and again, just, Burns. just for everyone listening, uh, 67, yeah. 68, how would that compare That's to Be Bieber, who was tops? Like what, what did he score? Okay. So, so, so ultimately I, I've kind of, I've, I've, uh, normalized the score so that 45 is your average starting pitcher in the main event. Right. Okay. So, so in the, in the later rounds, you're, you're fine in those last, you know, five to 10 rounds, getting guys in the mid to high thirties in the score. Uh, getting over 70 is like, I get this year is only like six guys got over 70. Okay. Uh, this year only, um, only three guys got 80 or above. Um, and then DeGrom just blew up. He just, he just broke the system. He scored a one Oh four for what he did last year. <laughs> well, of course. Okay, so he's, it's, just, it's just like, and Corbin Burns number two, at 85 for, for, you know, for his uh, 2021 year. But then right. I went back and I said, what did I miss in 2021 prep? But so even though he was great in the short season, he came out to like um, like a 67 or 68. And I never got any pieces of him last year during his Cy Young. And I said, I'm all over this guy during the short season. And why did I miss him this year? So what I did is I found a way to uh, give, a, essentially it comes out to about a 10% adjustment of weighted score for the, for the, the year prior algorithm score. So I, I then take the current algorithm that spits out for the prior year and give it 90% value. And then I give it 10% to the year before to, to kind of account for a little bit of, um, of the fluctuation. And, and, and really in reality, uh, pitchers are even a whole season is a short sample size and, and they are fickle bees. So, so I want to, I want to, I want to save your, um, your, your, um, 
your pitchers that scored well uh, this year. Okay, so this for, year, so this year the, it's let's let's tease it a little bit. Let's let's tease it a little bit. Okay, so let's, you have you have the the ones I've mentioned. Um, the Grom scored a one hundred and four. Yep. And then you have uh, Burns was second with an eighty-five. Okay. Third was Bieber with an eighty, but I knew that a lot of it was with the sticky stuff. So I, I didn't give him the proper I, I kind of slotted him right where he was going. I didn't give him a, a bigger bump. Right. Being afraid to come you back. Still got him in a, you still got him once. I still got him once. But I got him kind of where he was going. Um and so, but I know I just kind of like knew that, that that I can't make up the numbers. The numbers spit out of 80. So it is it is what it is. So and then there's um three other guys, and I got a piece of all three of them. But the other guys scored a, with a little tease, one scored a 76. I had to fudge it. And then one scored a 71 and one scored a 70. Okay. I think I know one of them. Um, so let's get, let's, get into the, let's get into the leagues. And, um, yeah. And let's talk about closers just first, uh, first of all. Yes. You, you took, you took um, three closers in your first draft, and then you took four in the other two. The, you, and you didn't really spend up on closers as much as a lot of people. The first one, you spent a, um, around 11, 13, and 30 pick. So round 11, round 13, round 30. And that was Doval, Barnes, and Pierce Johnson. Yes. And then your so, second in your second draft, right. you took Chapman in the fifth, and then Art Warren in the 19th. And then again, Pierce Johnson and David Robinson. And the fourth one, you took Bednar in the 10th, Soto in the 11th, um, Giles in the 23rd, and again, Pierce Johnson in the 30th. So I, we're, that, um, that unveils your player that you took in all three drafts. Pierce Johnson, yeah, and it's just it's just a flyer. It's just that um, I thought the San Diego bullpen was a four-person race, and now with the talk about Pagan, maybe it's a three-person race. Yeah, and sure, Pierce Johnson could be um, could be third in that position, but you know, at the end of the day, who knows who's coming out of that bullpen first? And I, I don't mind taking uh, certain clo- certain reliever types at the end of the draft anyway because they're useful for that first half week. Because you don't right. have enough starters to cover that, so I can maybe get one appearance, two appearances, and get some stats. Mm-hmm. And if he's not the closer, he's the easiest cut in the world, for sure. So, and he just happened to be the guy that was always there, and um, I was just fine with taking him. All right, yeah. But, so, yeah. So he might be. Do you think he's a cut in any of your leagues? Like immediately tomorrow? No, no, no. Because I'm going to use him for the first half week. Okay. Yeah. Because and, he- and I also think that even if like San Diego comes out and says. Suarez or Lamette, I don't think they would come out and say Lamette right away, even if he's a planet. Let's say they say Suarez are closer, right? right. He's, I'm still going to get some stats in the first half week. And let's just see what happens with Robert Suarez in his first start, his first, I mean, first uh, appearance. Because all yeah. of a sudden, Suarez doesn't look good. Appearance number one, then you just hold Johnson for another week. All right. What about Texas? I'm sorry. What about the Cubs? You took David Robertson. What do you think about that situation? You got Michael Givens, you got Robertson, you got Wick. I don't think it's Wick. Well, at the time, now this was uh, when I took Robertson last Saturday. Uh, this was a similar scenario. He was, I, I just decided to take Johnson the 29th, right? Taking the 30th in the other two drafts. Well, this is in between, but I, it was the same scenario. I'm like, hey, here's uh, maybe the third guy in the totem pole for Chicago. Wick had been, been off the board in, somewhere in the, in the mid teens. And Givens probably went off the board in the late teens. And I'm like, hey, well, what if, why can't it be Robertson? So it was the same yeah. idea in the same premise as, uh, as, um, as Pierce Johnson. Since then, if I was drafting now, I'd probably move Robertson up maybe into the spot where I took Ken Giles in the 23rd around that area because 
-hmm. Now I'm starting to think it's a two-man race in Chicago. Yeah. I'm think and I'm thinking now, and if you had to put a gun to my head, I feel like Robertson might get the first crack at that job. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure either. But like I feel even better about that now. But same thing, I have no problem cutting Robertson during the second fab period. Right on. Yeah, no, th those are those are guys you got late enough and you, you got them. Uh, but I think the the main takeaway here is you didn't you didn't you weren't um you were sort of up, right? zagging when, when everyone's getting the everyone's gunning for yes. the early closers, except for Chapman. Well, and you got him in the yeah, fifth, which it, is which you get, which is a good price. So so going into it like going to short season, and this is my closest strategy coming in, and it's, it's funny because this morning I read an article in the Athletic from Ron Chandler talking about the whole market has the entire uh, fantasy market has closers wrong, and he used five years of historical data on. Uh, closer turnover rate and then specifically top five closers drafted ADP and their production. And right. he said that 2021 was the outlier year where your top closers actually perform really well. Mm -hmm. The most years they don't. So by right. 2020, I felt like, you know, the short season, short spring training, I felt like relievers are going to be used more often. I got four shares of Edwin Diaz. I got a share with the team I had Edwin Diaz. I also took Ken Giles. I took him in like the four or five turn. Ken Giles blew his arm out, but um, I, I took uh, Rysel like twice. I had taken, uh, I forget who, I, I, I paid up on all six of those teams. I paid up on close all the time. Last year, I in my four main events, uh, I took Rysel twice. I took Diaz once in the fourth, Rysel twice in the fifth. Mm -hmm. And I took, in the other league, I took um, somebody who completely flamed out. It was not Rosenthal, but it, it might as well have been. But I was paying up for so for two straight years, I was getting myself a top five closer, you know. So obviously it's fifteen teams. I'm out, I'm in the top third of, of aggressiveness there. But I just felt that, and even now I started looking at these valuations and how valuable closers are, and there's less markets. And I adjusted my aggressiveness a tad bit more. But the market over the winter just completely passed me, and I had to take a look at it. And I don't do any other drafts. I only do the main event, and I kept looking at these prices. And I kept looking at the individual valuations. I do the same algorithm for relief pitchers. Okay. Their numbers are all over the place because it's shorter sample size, same formula. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, they're higher. Like generally, the average guy is gonna be like in the low 50s. I don't. I don't. I, I have it standardized to starting pitching, so I don't have. So essentially, it's the same algorithm. Right. Um, and and I see who are, where the guys were, and, and the one guy who uh, also broke a record for the algorithm was Liam Hendricks. Um, mm -hmm. He broke. Devin Williams had previously got a 105 the year before. Yeah. And Liam Hendricks scored a 114. And Liam Hendricks' season was so dominant. I don't even know if it's going to be like. Top you, I think you, can't just... you can't repeat that season, I don't think. No. Same with DeGrom. Same with DeGrom as a starter with those many innings. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I looked at it and I, and I, and I valued Liam Hendricks as a second round pick. And that's about as extreme as I was going to go. So I did not value Hater. I, I valued not value Hater as a second rounder. Um, I did. I Rysel was was maybe in that mid third round. Um, and I feel like that would be like I get it with, and I understand the closure of their own market with supply and demand. Yeah. But um, I, I just wasn't really willing to pull pull the trigger there. Uh, I, I would have pulled the trigger on Diaz in the fourth. But he was never getting there. And uh, Presley, Romano, and Chapman, I was willing to draft in the fifth. And one league Chapman came to the fifth. It was, I thought that was fine value. 
and I was not willing to pull the, 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 the trigger on Jansen in the fifth. So that was it. So essentially I was priced out of relievers, the top guys. Right. And I was, I was fine with that because we're playing overall contest. And I understand that it's a limited supply, but there's multiple ways to skin the cat. And if you're able to get saves, just saves, yeah, you're not going to get the ratios that these top guys are going to give you. If you can get just saves at a lower cost, uh, whether it's a lottery ticket type or, or guys that actually have good skills that you can get five, six rounds later, maybe they don't have the job or they're in a the timeshare, then I think you have a, you have a chance. And, it, and it's, I had this conversation with, with oh, Phil Dussault, somebody else I got to meet for the first time. Right. I had this conversation with him. And he, he was very adamant about getting one of the top closers. And there's one particular closer that he said he didn't like of, of the top group. Right, you know, and I'm curious between him. As, you know, you were in that conversation too, I think. You heard yeah, that. I know it. I know that. I know which one of that is. Okay, so whatever. That's between Phil, whatever, right? Right. But he, but and I, and, I, and I remember saying, and we we're in a conversation together that I get with Phil Strat. I mean, Phil won every single main event he was in last year, right? He won like 19 out of 22 leagues he was in overall. Yeah, it's if crazy. You wanna, yeah. If you if you want if you are so confident in your in your uh, skills, and you just want to make sure you don't get screwed by a particular category, that's so turbulent then if you're phil you got to get an anchor mm -hmm. because you're so whatever else but if you're not you know if you're immortal like the rest of us zach then maybe maybe the way to win the main event is to is to get a guy you know after the 10th round that's going to contribute there yeah it's Again, a million, it's a million dollar question or it's a hundred and thirty five thousand dollar question it's um, 182,000, right? You ain't going to win the main without winning your league too. So, Oh, good point. Yeah. yeah. To, to, be, to, be, to be exact, you're right. Um, so, yeah, again, so it all came down to that. I knew that those guys were not going to go to where I had them pegged on my board. Mm -hmm. uh, Chapman came. I actually wanted Romano. And uh, Mr. Rob Silver took Romano one pick before me. Yeah, Rob Silver um, did a very pitching-heavy approach in that league. And so did uh, uh, Jenny Butler. Let's see what I'm, so, looking wrong, I'm looking at the wrong board here. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but we, if you want, we'll start quickly with that um, strategy that that first main event league, the, the Trey Turner pick. Yeah. Just I'll, I, yeah. Let's let's look at that. Let's look at that board. But first of all, I'll just comment. I'll comment board in, up. In, yeah, I'll pull that board up too. And, and just in general, like I think you, like this goes hand in hand with you talking about uh, deprioritization of closers. Is uh, I think you really wanted to get those bags. It, like it looks like because yes. You, you didn't, yes. you didn't, you didn't come out of any of these drafts with like under like 30 to 50 bags in your first five rounds. No. So, so my thing is that, and um, this will come up later when we talk about catcher, but there are certain categories that I have, I found that I'm very good at navigating late in the season. I love um, uh, August, September in these leagues when these people, people start focusing on football. I love gaining standing points throughout the year and for the waiver wire and decisions. And I don't mind sometimes all of a sudden loading my bench with six or seven hitters or six or seven pitchers, depending on where I want to gain the points from. Right. Uh, and, but there's, there's a couple of categories. There's really like, I say there's like two categories that are really, really hard to catch up on. And that's average and stolen bases. Yeah. So, Knowing that, I want to get not only get my steals, but I want to get my steals from my premier picks that don't come with the batting average sunken cost. Yeah, not like a Jazz Chisholm. Not like a Jazz Chisholm 
or people mouse draw or anybody else that you know yeah. that, you know so i needed i need i need those guys and uh the and we were talking about that in vegas the only thing i count during the draft is i count my stolen bases mm-hmm. i count bases I, and I, home I, runs i you say you count home runs i don't count home runs and i don't feel like i i need to because for my hitters i have my own algorithm for hitters but i then i then take the alg- the raw numbers and I divide it by um, essentially like uh, about a, I don't do my projections for players until the beginning of February. So I want some ADP data in there mm-hmm. for my hitters, essentially. So I then divide it by like the January's draft champions ADP to, to normalize the raw number. And then after that, I put all the positions together and put the new raw number. And then I look at auction values and I correlate my raw numbers to auction values. Then once that's all done, I then give catchers about a 10% bump. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I start pouring them all into different color coded specialties for each position. So during the draft, it's very easy for me to go to my different color position for hitters and see who the top dollar player is left and see which positions are going to be like uh, a fall off, right? Like, so maybe there's a, a $15 first baseman left and there's a $16 outfielder, but I see a bunch of other outfielders at $14 and the next first baseman's 11. So I try to like, it, it helps me to see it. And then in the spreadsheet, I keep a tab for ATC stolen bases. Yep. And so I know right away, if I have a $15 guy who's an outfielder, another $15 guy's an outfielder and one guy's got um, 15 stolen bases next to him, the other one's got two. I can already know right, and I know what I kind of need more power. I already know what it is, so I don't have to count the home runs. As long as I count stolen base, I know what I need. I know if I need more speed or not need the speed, and then I can then I can know why those guys. Because I, I give a lot of, uh, I give a lot of juice to, to stat cast speed and to stolen bases into my algorithm. So once I have certain stolen bases added up, I know to avoid those guys because they're inflated in my rankings because of the speed. I think the I think the way the NFBC drafts and just because of the things you just said. If you, if you look at any like uh, like rankings or valuation systems you see on like fan graphs, I think the stolen base guys are, are significantly undervalued because there basically is no replacement value for stolen bases. Because like for an example, like if you look at like all the stats accumulated, a guy like Dylan Moore is going to like factor into that like replacement cost calculation, whatever they do. And yeah. he's like, he's unrosterable. He's going to crush you in the other categories that he's basically worthless. So there, there are no like basically there is no replacement level for stolen bases on the waiver wire, unless you want to like no. cr- crush yourself. It goes along with what you're saying. So like guys like, like a Harrison Bader, it, I think is very undervalued or someone like, yeah. uh, like, um, like a Robbie Grossman or someone like that. Yeah. I, 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 I got Robbie. Yeah. I've got my Robbie Grossman share. So, yeah. So, so uh, like that, that's, yeah. But, and that's sort of, that's sort of mind, mind, mindset with them. I'll, I, I give them a little bump as well. Yeah. So, and, and, um, so I just thought, and not only obviously Trey Turner, I know there's been one draft so far where he was not number one where the draft you got to be in the yeah. main event. Yeah. It's the only one at 18. I checked that out today. The only one at 18. Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Nick, big, big Dick, Nick Cassavetes. He took, yeah, Juwan, he took Juan Soto ahead of me. He told you, he, yeah, he said before, he's before the draft. He's like, just so you know, I'm, uh, I'm giving you Turner. I'm like, okay, thank you. So, and to be fair, I know a lot of the consensus had Ramirez number two. Uh, he was my number three. Juan Soto was my number two. Right on. I had him slightly above uh, uh, Ramirez, Bichette, and Vlad. 
mm -hmm. uh, despite not having necessarily the speed of Ramirez and Bichette. But even saying that, I thought the gap between Turner and Soto was large. It's about as large as I remember a gap going back to about five years or so when Mike Trout was the runaway number one. Right. And, and so it, he just gives you so much because <laughs> Turner gives you all five categories. Yep. And so, so going with that, so once I knew I had Turner, I knew I can go different places. And, and what I did is I kind of mapped out, it's the only draft I did it, I, where I mapped out the top 31 players on my board and really try to figure out and kind of just a little bit knowing I already had Turner. Mm -hmm. And I said I was going to stick to that list. So when, when I came around to do the turn, um, I took the top two guys on the list. It happened to be Bieber, which a lot of pitchers – Bieber was about seventh amongst my starting pitchers, but I think he was the ninth starting pitcher that went off that board. Uh, I know Alcantara and Urias went before him. Yes, I see that. And, um, and, then I, and then I took my luxury – and my luxury pick is Sal Perez. Mm -hmm. And I just think that I know that there's been some people out there that they may go a little extreme with it, where it's like they just want, you know, um, they essentially just want arms and elite catchers, you know, are, you know, like start you know, aces, saves and catchers. Right. I mean, that's a little extreme, but I kept looking more and more about with Sal Perez. I mean, he played, I don't know, would he play like 160 games last year? Like, I'm th I think he almost played yeah. every single game. He had like over 600 played, played appearances. I know that. Yeah. And, and this year, with, with, with the rise of, um, of, of MJ Melendez, I think that's fucking great for Perez. Because they're going to play Perez pretty much every day. So he's even going to get maybe a bigger chunk of his games as a DH mm -hmm. to save his legs. So it's like – and. So Perez, you're like, oh, a lot of times, like, you don't really want, you don't want to take a guy that has like no speed that early as a hitters. But I'm like, I just got Trey Turner, and I knew others, and I knew that my my system gave a lot of speed guys some preference. I know I can get speed, and I'm just thinking to myself, this guy is a perfect power base, and it's a differential, right? So it's it's the the cost between him and the other catchers of how much difference you're gonna get in power. Right. It's enormous, and you're you're not gonna get. He's not negative. He's not going to boost you in, in batting average, but he's not negative in batting average. He shouldn't no, be. No, he's not. So, he's not a negative at all. So he's, I just think that he was such a differentiator last year. He was huge, like forty-eight home yeah. runs. But can he hit but forty he again? You, I don't know. But what if he gets you thirty-two homers? Still amazing. As, still amazing as a catcher, right? Yeah. And I feel like he's got a higher floor. He's got, and his floor is still like his floor is still a top two or three catcher. Who were you considering if you didn't take Perez? Let's say he was off the board. Who would you have gone with on that board? Look at the. Uh, I'll tell you right now. Look at the board. Um, oh, Jordan. Yeah. The one would pick after me. Okay. And then I liked Mullins, who I ended up getting in a different draft in the third round. Cool. Let's take a look so, at your second draft. Um, yeah. And I want to talk about something specific with that. Uh, this is the one you took Vlad Jr. to start, but you went hitting heavy. This is the one that you did get Mullins. And, and I really like I really like those hitters you started off with. We can talk about that. And it's yes, a draft you yep, got was, Chapman in. But yes. this is a draft where you fell behind on pitching. So talk about that. Okay. So uh, the other thing I, I – the other thing that, that was such advantageous if you end up still having the first pick is that you can really have a, a real balanced team. And what I like to do is 
is at least in the first 20 rounds, the first 15 rounds, especially, I like to have three hitters and two pitchers every five rounds. So it doesn't always work out that way, but I try to make it work as close as that as possible. Right. Now, this draft did not happen that way because um, both Jenny Butler and Rob Silver started off the draft with four pitchers each. Right. Where's Butler? Yeah, they basically did the same strategy. Well, four to five. They both started with four to five. Yeah, well, two closers, two starters, and a hitter. Two closers, two starters. Yeah. So, you know, and yeah. um, and it definitely changed the draft. So I kind of looked at it. And so I knew I had the seventh pick, and I knew that I had the seventh pick the next day. This was the Saturday main event. I knew I had the seventh pick on Sunday main event. So I said to myself, I knew my choice. I knew Cole would be in the top six. And I didn't want him anyway. Mm-hmm. So I said, my choice was probably going to be Vlad, DeGrom, or Burns. And I said, right. I want to go – I'm going to go the hitter today, and I'll do the pitcher tomorrow. Smart. So, and so I went the hitter. And then it just happened to be – and and I kind of knew that I was not going to take um, – I was not going to take Bieber again. I already kind of got one share, and I was fine with that. Didn't even come to and you. He didn't even come to me, but I was not going to take him again. And um, I really did like, you know, I would have thought about Giolito there, who went to pick after me, but I really like Manny Machado. And I, and once I took Vlad, I said, you know, I can, there's a lot of pitching targets I like. I can catch up on pitching, but I want to maybe at least, you know, put away 10 bags right here and start working my, you know, yep. start working stolen bases. Yep. And then uh, between that second and third round pick, I mean, you have Giolito, Alcantara, Peralta, Robbie Ray, Rysel, Urias, and Classe all off the board, right? Right. In the next 14 pick, the next 12 picks. You know, so that's uh, seven pitchers, next 12 picks. And then there's a guy that I really liked. I mean, I don't like him as much as uh, Justin Mason, another great guy I got to meet in Vegas. Yeah, met Justin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got Cedric Mullins is another guy that nice to, and I think a lot of people started downgrading him because of Camden Yards, about the adjustments. But he's not just a power hitter, you know. So it's not like um, Mancini or Mountcastle who maybe get a bigger downgrade. But he's a lefty, so it doesn't matter as much to him. Exactly. So yeah, the the dimensions would would affect the right-handed hitters more. So yeah. And 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 most of a lot of his value is the fact that he can give you twenty bags, right? Yeah. So he he fit your team very nicely because he didn't have a ton of stolen bases before that. So he was a nice he was a nice fit for that team with a Vlad Machado start. And then in the fourth round, um, you know, there was a guy that I had been – you talk about targets. There's one guy that I just loved, and I just wanted to find the right spot to take him, and that's Tyler O'Neill. Yep. Um, he scored the highest combined I, – I look at – there's two – I don't want to do uh, analysis by paralysis, but there's two stat cast uh, metrics I like to put into my algorithm, and that's – Sprint speed and uh, barrels. Right. And he pretty much scored, him and Tatis were, scored the highest combo, of, like if you combine both. So I just thought he was uh, a stat cast darling. And if there's somebody that could have, you know, have a true super breakout, I mean, I feel like it's Tyler O'Neill. So it was, you know, it was kind of a toy I wanted to have. Oh, yeah. I love I love O'Neill. And, he, and he, gives you, he gives you another double digit in steals. So now I've got that base now. Yeah, you've got your, you're well on track with, with stolen bases at this point. 
And then uh, in the fifth round, Chapman came. So I was fine with that price. Um, yeah, the middle prefer- of the fifth, great yeah. price. I-, I prefer Romano, but Romano went the pick before me. But I got Chapman. I was fine with that price. And then I knew I needed to, to get pitchers, right? So yep. that brings us to um, the one of the three guys I have not mentioned so far that he scored a 70, scored the sixth highest in my algorithm, and that's Shane McClanahan. And so McClanahan was, is your ace on this team. On this team, you know, you know, but you know, so like I hear that. And I think two people get too um to care where that you, your ace has to be a certain thing. So you know, if McClanahan is not a top 15 SP, so why is he my ace, etc.? But you know, I think that it's a staff, it's nine people in the staff. And I and I knew I was, I was gonna be able to address the staff. But then the next two picks came along. And I just didn't like the pocket of pitches there. Right. Okay. So let's look at it. If you, if you look at after McClanahan went, uh, Blake and Charlie Morton went, but McClanahan, I kind of had it at a tier that was higher. Right. So, okay. and then Corey Seager was, I thought was, was a value of somebody I really wanted in, in the seventh. Okay. And That's I didn't, it, he gets dragged down for his lack of speed, but I don't need speed anymore. And then, um, I, I am a, I am a big fan of um, both Kershaw and Eovaldi. I, I took Eovaldi in my first main, but they both went before I got it. No, actually, they did not go. No, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they both yep. went before I picked my eighth round pick. Yep. And then um, I, I took Yasmani. Yasmani Grandal. Yasmani Grandal, and he's somebody that. Um, with him, I do worry a little bit about plate appearances. Maybe he won't DH that often. But maybe he gets a little bit of first, maybe a little bit of DH, so, but maybe only ends up at 450. But he, he's came out, he's a, still a very good hitter. And again, I think that catcher is, is a position where you can get really killed a catcher. Yep. And, and also, I, I found one of my teams, you can, even though it's in small pieces, you could be spending a lot of money on fab and it adds up throughout the year trying to replace a second catcher or even first catcher sometimes, you know, 10 bucks here, 12 bucks there, eight bucks there. And it just adds up and you're just, you're, you're funneling trash along through your lineup. Right. So I, I took Grandal there. And after that, I knew I needed to go pitcher heavy and I went uh, starting pitcher with the next four picks. So, yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about these picks because the- yeah, you you have such a great batting average base with Guerrero, Machado, et cetera. And then you have your stolen bases taken care of. you got a good catcher who's going to get you power. And, and you're not even worried about his average at this point. With And Seager's also an amazing – like your batting average is phenomenal at this point. You've got Seager, Guerrero, Machado, uh, and really no drains, so to speak. But then you have McClanahan and Chapman as your two, start, as your two pitchers, uh, Pablo Lopez, Luis Castillo, so, and then Ian Anderson and Tanner Hawk. And I like those pitchers, but um, Luis Castillo is going to start on the IL and McClanahan, Castillo, Chapman. Like, I'm just, I'd be sort of concerned about the whip base on this team. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the um, I'm going to have to. Again, every team's going to have a flaw. So I'm not saying it's a bad team. Yeah. I'm just saying that's the one weakness I like, the biggest weakness I see so far. No, it actually is the, um, the biggest weakness on this team is whip and ERA, uh, but right. more whip. More so whip, um, yeah. 
so that's the biggest issue in this team is the racials. But you know what? Um, I think I, I have found uh, ways to maneuver. I did it last year, the team that that I, I won my league. I found ways to actually – I don't think Whip and ERA are as hard to gain points on as people think they are. Um, as long as you're not atrocious. But if you have an atrocious team, you're not going to win any – you're not going to be competing anyway. But batting average is just so much more difficult. Um, and, may, and maybe I'm incorrect on that, but it just it, it seems much more difficult to – because I think you can – I have found ways to adjust. And uh, depending on where I am on Ks, I, I, can, I can start three, four relievers for a longer stretch. So this is and a team can, that you had 10 starters on. And I don't know if you can, I don't know if you count that, like uh, how much, I don't know if you start, count your, your um, I don't know if you, per, yeah, starting pitcher, you had 10 starters and um, four relievers on this team. The other two teams, you only yeah, had nine I starters, will. but yeah, I guess you felt like you needed, like it was the weakness you identified. So you went, you went one more starter deep on this team in, in, in lieu of another yes. bat. Um, yes. Yeah, so I got, only have two, I have, oh, this is a team. I have five bench players that are pitchers. Yeah, so you got Luis Castillo, Shane Baz, and Luke Weaver, who probably all three of those guys started on the IL. So that brings you down to seven. We, well, Weaver, Weaver's not going to make it past Sunday. Okay. So you'll, you're going to replace him. Yes. Yeah, I would I would as well. Well, the, and, the injury just happened in the past few days. Right. Um, True. So Weaver's just, I'm just not worth keeping. So guys like, I'm looking, Tanner Hawk and um, Tanner Hawk and potentially um, – Oscar and you know, uh, those guys not, might not even play in the first weekend. So you're down, you're down five pitchers potentially uh, to the first. But, that, first, but that, that first weekend, that's why you got guys that's like Chris Johnson and exactly Robertson. right. So you're you're going to be you're going to be putting in your and relief pitcher. Yeah. So you got Art Warren on that team as well. So you're going to be playing some you're going to be playing some relief pitchers in the first weekend, and you're and you're okay with that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think most a lot of people are not going to have. Yeah, no, I, I, for sure. To put, yeah, so that, that team's got four relievers, and actually, and 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 to be fair, um, uh, I am dropping Weaver, and I'm targeting like five or six different relievers. So okay. I'm not another reliever. So so um, that that team is going to be fine, and I'm hoping that Castillo is not going to be out that long, and because I, I only I only really want to have one dead spot, and that dead spot was supposed to be for Shane Bass. So we'll see how long Castillo's going to be out for. Yeah, so uh, Castillo's your starting, your second starting pitcher you drafted in, the, in this league. Hopefully he isn't out for as long as we think. But um, Third, third, third. Who's the, who's the second? Who's, uh, Pablo Lopez. Oh, sorry, my bad. Pablo Lopez. So hopefully we, he, he has some health risks, I guess, but what can you say? He's healthy right now. So that's, that's good. And you, know, and you know, the last few years, uh, Castillo just doesn't like the cold weather, I think. He just sucks in April and May. So maybe this is a good – Yeah, but yeah like, I've, heard that, I've heard that narrative for sure. You know, so um, he just seems to just – some guys maybe just know like cold weather. Um, I mean, I can see. I mean, it's probably cold in Cincinnati in April. Maybe he just doesn't like it. I don't know. He, I, he always seems to have a slow start. So um, – but, I mean, the price of Castillo there in the 10th was, you know, it was around – ADP price. It wasn't a bargain, but I felt like, in one sense, you you can you can say that um, you needed pitching. Why are you taking Castillo? And I'm a, I I had an inverse thought there at the, at the main, that I went so hitter heavy, I got to now play catch up, and I got to maybe hit a little bit of a, a a double on this pick. I I don't need a, a necessarily 
a, a, a add value pick. I need somebody that maybe could turn around and be a six or seventh round pick value with Castillo. No, I, I, I get it. I, I love, I love, um, I love Lopez. I love that pick and uh, Castillo there. I, I just don't know. I just don't, I don't know. I, just, I have a, tar- a tough time valuing where he should be going in these drafts. So, I mean, I think it's supposed to come. It's supposed to be, I'm assuming he's going to be pitching by the third week of April in the majors. That's fair. I, I honestly, I just don't know. I, I'm not sure. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. And then, yeah. So then after that, I mean, I obviously then taken so four straight starting pitchers and Lopez, Castillo, Ian Anderson, Tanner Hawk. And, um, and I, I'm big on uh, Oscar Yanoa. And I was, you know, his, his, uh, he scored a 61 on the algorithm, which is that's pretty big, very high for the people around his draft position, very high. And yeah. to give you an idea, like I, I just run through some numbers of the top guys, right? So, like, um, Cole 66, uh, Woodruff only 58, Bueller 52, Giolito 71, the fifth highest, Nola 62, Freddie 67, Wheeler 61, Urias 57. Uh, Contra 57, Robbie Ray 63, Gossman 61, Roger 63, Webb 59, C 61. So your top guys, these are your top, you know, 15, 20 guys. They're all going to be good. You know, there's no like, oh my God, this guy is terrible. Why is he up here? So for somebody like, uh, you know, it'd be 61 that late. Uh, I have been my 52nd pitcher. Um, somebody really liked it, you know, and, and, and people were saying, well, he didn't have a guaranteed job in the rotation. I wasn't too worried about it. And a couple of days later, they said that, you know, him and Kyle Wright are, are the leading candidates for the fourth and fifth spot, right? Right. So they're worried that he only has like two pitches and okay, we'll see. And may, maybe last year's numbers were a little fluky. You know, we'll see. But I think that he has potential. And uh, so I liked him in the 16th. And then we got Shane Baz, who scored, well, Technically, Shane Baz, I had to make up his score a little bit because technically I need at least 20 innings to calculate the score. He didn't get there. But I looked at what he did in AAA and AA, and I was kind yeah. of like amazed at those numbers. And I kind of just de-weighted those numbers and like knocked them off to like the, the AAA numbers. I gave him like an 80% value. The AA numbers like a 60% value. And he still came up shooting rockets in my algorithm. Really? That's interesting. So um, I got a question here. I got a question here. You took Luis yeah. Castillo in round 10 and you took Jared Klenick in your two other drafts. So I, I guess you like Jared Klenick. You like his upside. Um, did you think about taking Klenick here in round 10? No, not at all. So I, yeah, I took, I took Klenick in two other drafts, both right. in the 10th round, right? Yep. I think so. Um, no, because I, I had a plan here and I needed to get, I needed to leave the first 10 rounds with at least four pitchers and at least two in the five. And the fact that I didn't get two in the first five and two of them came nine and 10. Uh, I, that's why I need, I need, this, I need after the break to start off with two more, but no, I had to take a starting pitcher there in round 10. No, that, 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 that makes, that makes sense. So um, I noticed you had clinic and Austin Meadows on two of your, I think you had two, uh, you had two shares of each. Um, yes. What do you like? What do you like about those guys? Well, they, they would happen to be, um, I think that I think my algorithm does give a really big bump for speed, and both of those guys are like they're like your ten stolen base type guys, right? And um, and they just happen to be I, I just, they just happen to be in a pocket I like where outfielders. I, I seem to get a lot of my I have two shares of of them both. I have uh, two shares of Adolis Garcia, 
and um, they just happen to be guys that I liked in, in those pockets. Because you um, banked that batting average. I banked the batting average, yeah. Not, I, not I, that I Meadows think... is not going to get you that, but he could. But for Atlas and for Kalenic, they're probably you banked well. You banked good batting average in all of your leagues. Correct, and part of the easiest way to bank good batting average is to take really good bats that steal bases in the first five rounds. Bingo. Because those that way you can afford some. Uh, I mean, you don't want to go out there and go Joey Gallo on people, right? Like I think he's just like undraftable. Um, but I agree. you could take you could take a. You can survive a, a 230 batting average with, at a lease, you yeah. know, 235. And, and, you, and you can survive with a 240 with Meadows. Yeah, um, I'm with you on Gallo. Like, I think I've seen good players take Gallo, uh, but I just don't want to play like the whack-a-mole game, like hurt, get your power, hurt your average, and then you got to rebuild your average and your speed. It's just like, I, I don't want to deal with that. I want to, I just want to build a more balanced team. And, um, and, uh, so you don't like straw either. And this is not something, this is not something I had on the agenda, but this is something that I, that I, I was thinking about just like on the flight home, actually. And Miles yeah, straw, where, where's, where did he go? Like just in this draft for an example, he went, I, I don't even know. I, I'm not trying to pick on anyone. He went to team, whatever team, 15, 14, 12 in the eighth round. Now people say, yeah, well, straw is good because he's going to, he's going to get you those stolen bases. But the thing is like, if, if you, I've seen teams with straw and I, and I, and I'm, and I've, I've done the math on the counting stats and yeah, like those teams usually finish with a good amount of stolen bases. True. But the power, the, the art home runs and RBIs suffer, but they, but people say, Oh yeah, we can make those up on, on the waiver wire. You don't make that, but you don't make up the power unless you take out straw from your lineup. So the thing it, it's, it's sort of like a counterintuitive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's exactly. It's counterintuitive because you, you got to, at some point in the season, like, well, there's fab. Don't worry. Like, I don't mind leaving the draft short on power because that's the easiest thing to make up. Well, yes, but you got to take straw out of your fucking lineup to make up the power. So, and then it cuts off your legs for stolen bases. So just, I don't think it works to be honest. And you just, so, so, so I have, I have straw here on my algorithm. So he's the 24th outfielder on my list. Right. Right. So I have him and I'm going to give you the two guys above him and two guys below him. The two guys directly above him are JD Martinez and Jesse Winker. And the two guys below him are Grisham and Yellick. Okay. And I can quickly look at it when I'm drafting with a one man on the clock. And I see Martinez next to him. It says one stolen base. Winker, two stolen bases. Straw, 31. Grisham, 15. Yellick, 14. So I can quickly look at it. I say, and I, and I, and if these five guys are all grouped together between 16 and $14 on my, on my list here, that can look at it and say, okay, well, Martinez and Winker, they're at this level right now because they're power guys. And Martinez got some, you know, Martinez is going to be good for a batting average. Winker is more of a pure power guy. And Grisham and Yellick are your combo guys, you know. Um, and they're going to do a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. And Straw is your speed guy. So if I was lacking speed, I obviously have Straw with those guys. But even where I have Straw, it's below ADP. Right. Like he's not, get, he's, he's not getting – like the guys like Winker are lasting – uh, and Grish, they're lasting longer than straw. And um, and the way I'm building my teams, I've learned from the past that you just can't make up stolen bases. And I just don't want shitty guys like not that straw is a shitty straw's a great player. Fine. He's a you know he's he's a he's a fine player, but I, I just don't want that type of player on my team. Yeah, I agree. I have no interest in it. Um 
So we talked about catchers. Um, so you have a team with Melendez on it, right? Are you going to drop Melendez? No. So I have a team with Melendez on it, and I have a team with uh, with Rush- Rushman. Rushman on it. Yeah. Okay. You got to get a backup for the Rushman team. And you said you're going to drop. You're going to drop Giles. I'm dropping. No, listen. I'm not. I'm. I. I you, you see. Okay. Here's where we're going to have a little bit of of a, a necessarily um, a disagreement here, right? Right. Because. I don't think um, I need uh, a backup. I don't need to cut Rushman right now. So, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying to cut him. I think I'm saying no, no, no. no. I mean, I, I, I think I'm leaving him in the lineup. Okay, with a zero. All right. And I, I've I've thought of, I've done this before. I'm, I know uh, one year I was very successful with Austin Barnes playing like two games a week when he the the first year he actually do, does very well. Mm-hmm. That um, so many catchers are more negative than positive. So like, you know, they are, I am going to lose that a little bit of counting stats. I believe in my ability to make up counting stats if I need to. If I need to make up counting stats, I can make, I feel like I can make them up. Plus um, the team, especially the team I took Rutschman in here, it was so hitter heavy where I, I'm very confident in my hitters in that, in that. Like guys like, like, for example, guys like Corey Seager in the seventh round, He's there for counting stats. That's why he's there, you know? So um, that's a luxury to have when he's my fifth hitter taken. And um, so I don't think Russian's going to be down that long. I know he's got a little bit of injury. He's already, he's still doing catching duties right now. He might be able to start that first week of the regular season down in AAA. He might be able to start already swinging the bat. And I think think he's up maybe in a month and a year. if I feel like early, it's a few weeks in the year, and um, I'm starting to slip a little bit, and I'm not liking my start in counting stats, mm-hmm. and there's somebody worthy of it, and then I'll pick them up. But I'm okay taking a complete zero there, um, especially when I invested capital in, in Grandal, because batting average, I'm, I'm telling you, batting average is so hard to make up. Yeah. You that's what, that's, that's what I'm, really, I'm, really, I'm really listening to that as well. You really can't jury rig your lineup in September and August to make a batting average. I tried last year, and that was one category I couldn't gain ground in. I, I won the league and I still finished 11th in batting average, and I just couldn't gain ground. I gained ground all, you know, that one in wins. I, I, wins is a fucking crapshoot. I mean, there's a way to get more wins. You just put more starters and, and pray to God that they can win. <laughs> um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's a little tough too, because what you're doing there is, if you're getting volume with starts, you're getting these guys off the waiver wire. Um, you know, you're getting your your Chris Bubich's late, and you're putting him in when he starts twice. And you know, you're doing that with, with your Brady Singers and 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 a lot of these guys. They, you know, sometimes they don't even go five innings, much less they play for the Royals. So wins can be tough, but batting average is really tough, and I just don't need that. And I, you know, so I, I just think that. I don't know if I'm in a comfortable spot and I feel like he's coming in a week or two and, and uh, I don't really need the bench spots, then I might do it. But right now, especially with this team, it's got Castillo and Bass. I'm not burning a, re- a bench spot for to, to, to put in some bottom of the barrel catcher in there to hit 220 for me. And That's, fair. Me- That's fair. I've, I've, done, I've done well in leagues with taking zeros and catchers for like, well, maybe a week or two at a time. Yeah, you can't do that long. I mean, we'll see. You can't Again, do it I might, I might, too long. I, the, overall, the overall auction that I won last year, I 
took zeros on catcher. I had Carson Kelly. He got injured. He was doing well. I took a yeah. zero on him for, I think, a week or maybe two. So I, I did take zeros on catcher, and I ended up still able to win it. So it, it, it is doable for sure. Oh, uh, yeah. So that, that's my strategy. And then Melendez, it's the same thing. Let me see. How, uh, let me see. Um, I, I have a feeling he's going to play more often, especially the season where he's on. I, I feel like he's, if he's not playing at all, um, that's fine. I can cut him. Well, he's down. He's down yeah. to start. Is he, did he just did he just go down and see that news? He, he went down. They, they sent him down. Yeah. So he's in the okay. he's, he's in the minors to start with. I don't know for how long. Oh, so so maybe uh, I got to look at that. I didn't know that. So then maybe uh, he has to get cut. I took him in the 29th round, I think. Yeah, so he's 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 a cut if if you need if if need be. Um, yeah. Looking at some of the late starting pitchers you took, I'm looking at Corbin, Plezak, um, and Gonsolin. What do you like? What, uh, are there any? Are there any besides those? Are there any ones that you missed on that you um, that you wanted to get a share of, like the, the later pitchers? Yeah. So uh, like later started pitchers that I liked and I just never seemed to to get. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't think that late, but it's a little bit more in the middle. Uh, Aaron Ashby. Right. He got a 58 uh, where he was, you know, and where he's drafted, he's, he stands out like a sore thumb. Um, I just, and then also the way that my teams were being built, uh, especially the second main event team, I had too many questions I started and I have a, you know, I'm, they're stretching Ashby out, but they might still give Hauser and Lauer the opening day rotation spots, you know? So I was like, I just couldn't pull the trigger where he went. Yep. Um, and honestly, I pretty much, the, the targets I want, I pretty much got late, late pitches. There's a bunch of trash out there. What do you think about like the six man, like with Ashby, like, like they're, he, he's a starter. They said that, but he, that might, like they have five other starters. And then you have uh, Reed Detmers, who's going to be a six man in that rotation. How do you feel about those six man? Oh, in LA. Yeah. So I hate them. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, because last last year I had uh, a couple. I, I had a lot of Alice Cobb. Um, I had I had a, a disastrous Dylan Bundy share. <laughs> yeah. The league that I actually won seventh round pick of a, But but I had a Cobb, who you know, and uh, I had a I had one Haney share. Yeah. And these guys just. Once you get past like um, your your first, you know, two hundred and fifty or so picks, your first like sixteen, seventeen rounds, none of those guys are really unless you hit something big. None of those guys are one start pitchers that you want to put in your lineup. They're, they're, yeah. you're, they're, you have them so you can start them when they have two starts. You know, have do you have, do you have interest in um, uh, Sandoval? Sandoval, uh, I, I didn't actually, I remember one time I tried to, bid, he was not a guy that was drafted last year, but he got bid in FAB pretty early. Yeah, I didn't draft him um, last year in, in FAB leagues now. I, no, I remember, I remember getting outbid for Sandoval, and then once you got outbid, he was pretty much a guy that was kept on the roster all year long. Mm-hmm. Then he got and, um, Again, I actually loved, the, I, I was I would almost put a, like in early in the season, I almost put a, a futures bet on the Angels, like, to win the pennant, it was like a good odds guy. I was like, I was like, man, look at this rotation. You got, you know, you got you got you know, Bundy and Cobb and Haney and and then Sandoval started pitching well. And you know, you had Rizel in the back of the bullpen. You had Meyer. I liked well as, as, as a good pitcher, but I just found that that they were 
Cobb was probably the most frustrating pitcher. I was never finding an opportunity to play him because he literally won't start once a week. And I don't know if it's because of, yeah. because of what, with Otani and they don't want to pitch him more than once a week. But it, it becomes very difficult for those guys. So in a sense, I didn't end up with any Brewers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are, are they going six man? Pitchers. Are they going what? six man? The, Brewer, the Brewers aren't going a six man, are they? If, if, if they're starting Ashby, then are they not starting Lauer and Hauser? They said he's a starter, but I'm not sure if he's a starter right away. That's, I'm, I That's have what I'm to saying. Stop. They said he was stretching him out. And last year, in the last month of the season, they went to six man because I had Freddie. It was getting frustrating. Right. But Freddie yeah. was so good by then that he was still worth it once a week. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Until, until like the very last week, I think. The very last. Yeah. They started like getting. Um, yeah. He was questioning. Dodgers. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I just, the six man rotation, I don't think, I think like I was talking to somebody um, about Syndergaard and I'm like, whatever. Like, I'm, I'm not that high on Syndergaard. Like, oh, he's going to be good. And it's like, yeah, but it's a six man rotation. Like, is Syndergaard really worth his draft price that you're only going to get him once a week? Hmm. Like, yeah. I just don't. I just, yeah, I just I'm, out, that, I'm out. I'm out on him. I just don't. I'm I don't think. Him. I don't even think he's like good. He's coming back from injury. I don't think he was like. I don't think he's been good. Like he's sort of like sale, but worse. Like he, like he's coming back from injury, but like you're hoping that he was something that he was like many moons ago. He's still. Th- he's throwing like 95 right now. 94, 95. Yeah. That's. that's I mean, Syndergaard has the the record for most hundred pitch, hundred mile an hour pitches in a season. So yeah, like, like he's not what he was. So I don't know. He's pitching once a week. I'm good on that. I'm, I'm, I'm good on, um, on guys like that. I, I just think that you have maybe like three guys on a team, maybe four, depending on who you have in your team, that you can pencil in every week that are starting pitchers, right? You get your, your closers. Right. And those other two or three spots in your nine-man pitchers should be guys you're rotating that have two starts. Or maybe have a very – Generous home start against a very anemic offense, uh, but they're not everyday pitchers. So, I mean, every week pitcher, every week starts. I mean, last year I, I was able to like, I had guys, I had four guys I trust every week. I, I trusted Freddie and Frankie Montas and Nathan Ivaldi and John Means. I then near the end I started less trusting John Means, um, but that's and the rest of those guys it had to be two start. They have to get two starts, otherwise they're not even worth putting them in there. All right, we got a so, question. We, we got a question from Tony Girardi, Girardi as um, okay, Rick, as Rick would say. Um, yeah, I, the public demands more of the war dog. No, that's not the question. Oh no, there, there's the question. Oh, Who are the war dogs? Tony's a great guy, Anthony G- Gialdi. He's one of my favorite guys. He's turned into yeah. He's turned into one of the best guys I've, I know here. Uh, who are the war dogs? Bold predictions. That's for that's the first part of it. And, and okay, he's also well, asking about early round busts aside from DeGrom because that's already happened. Well, bold predictions is um, it's the guy who I got the, the highest ADP guy where I got multiple shares. And I actually didn't like his algorithm number, so I just moved him up the rankings myself. And that's Francisco Lindor. Maybe I'm a homer. Maybe. Um, I don't know. But, I, you know, so his question is, I mean, is is twenty you know, is twenty nineteen the outlier? Maybe, but there's something in between twenty nineteen and what he was last year. And what also knows that he was actually, I mean, after after June first, he's a over eight hundred OPS guy. But after like uh, August first, after they got Baez, he was an over eight fifty OPS guy. 
And he just seemed like his, he had a lot of weight on his shoulders those first four months with that big contract. And yep. there was a point in which in the middle of May, where not only were all of our like starters hurt, except for two guys, but then like our reserves were hurt, like Pilar was hurt. And then the top guys we brought from the minors, they got hurt. And we were rolling out uh, Khalil Lee and Travis Blankenhorn. <laughs> and and um, it was just like the most, you know, even like, even like the backups, like Yorme was getting hurt. And Pilar was hurt. Like everybody was, was hurt. And the only two guys that were in the lineup like every day were Dom Smith and Lindor. And I think they both suffered bad season because of it. They had to play every day. They got worn out and they had no protection. Those lineups were atrocious in May and early June. And these guys got worn out. And all of a sudden, when you had uh, Baez show up, I mean, Baez is his double play partner for the Dominican Republic team. Right. The energy of Lindor, you just saw in his smile, his interviews just went much higher. And we lost Baez this year, but I think we added back Cano, which is like the one of the, the, the godfathers of Dominican baseball. And, you know, we got Marte. And, and I think that you got certain – that energy looks like in the spring, he's already off to a great start in the spring. I mean, last I looked, it was two days ago, but he's got – I know spring is like six games. He's got like a 1,700 OPS. He looks he's, good. He's like ridiculous. So um, Cano is not going to be playing second base probably, though. It's going to be McNeil. No, but he's in a dugout. Yeah. So okay, I, mean, I get it. He's a leader, and it seems to be that – and when Marte uh, – when they interviewed Marte in his press conference, one of the first people he mentioned was he's always wanted to play with Cano. Like, that's really a random person, a guy that's just been suspended all year. Yeah. But so Cano, uh, Cano holds uh, high, high stature amongst the, the Dominican players. Right. And, I, I, and, and not that, then the whole lineup itself, adding Marte and Cana and Escobar, lengthen the whole lineup. Uh, Lindor doesn't have, doesn't have a lot of pressure on him this year to succeed. So I think he could do very well. The other, the other one is we discussed Tyler. I only have one share, Tyler O'Neill. I think the guy could be just a great breakout. I mean, I, yeah, I know he's a fourth-round pick already. But if there's a guy that can maybe bust his way open into a, a top-two pick last year, like, like Luis Robert did, to be a borderline first, he yeah. could be this year's version. And, you know, yeah. and last year maybe Robert was a – early mid third round pick. And now he's a, a late first, early second round pick. All right. What about bus? So, Gialdi um, one, wants your bus. Like doesn't have to be a first round pick, but an early round bust. You know, every year, my algorithm is just not very kind to Walker Bueller. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a bust, right? Cause Walker Bueller is still a very good pitcher. He was great last but, year. But yeah. And this year, you know, he's, he's a guy, he's a guy who's getting taken around the turn. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not as uh, big on him. Okay, so you avoid uh, in the first couple rounds. Yeah, the other one that it's, it's only a, the only one that's maybe a bust only because his floor, he's so high because of his floor and his floor can fall at any second. Is Whit Merrifield? I was just going to say that he's my bust in the first couple rounds. I agree. And it's not nothing against Whit, but like he's so good because he's he's a guy that can. You get 650 plate appearances, push 700 plate. Did he get 700 last year? They, like, he Something baseball close, plate yeah. appearances. So it's like, what if all of a sudden he loses 10% of those plate appearances? Mm -hmm. He's a volume guy because he gets so many plate appearances. 
Is he going to steal 40 again? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't bet on any of these first round, couple, these first five round players to be bad. But if I could pick one that I don't want at the price, it's Merrifield. My first uh, draft in the, in the NFBC, that $500 league, I remember I, I was so caught up on last year's stats, raw numbers. Right? You know, this is 2011. Right. And um, there's a guy who stole, I forgot, I forgot his name, a second baseman from the Orioles. He stole 40 bases a year prior. Mora? Mor- Mor- was it Melvin? No, Moore? white guy, second baseman. And then he started getting concussions and he just never, like, he was a complete bust. But mm. he was getting taken in, in like third rounds. And, I, you know, I took him really early, thinking, oh, this guy had 40 bases. Like, you know, why not? Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. It's bugging me now. It's bugging me now. Yeah. Um, you know, not that much pop, but he stole 40 bases and he had like maybe stole 30 or something the year before. And then all of a sudden he had concussions and just his career just, collapsed right i know who you're talking about i just can't picture i just can't um i can't uh i can't remember his name it's annoying so let's say that with merrifield he might his ceiling is he's just gonna return your value right this floor yeah, yeah, is disastrous I agree. I agree um so yeah this time i mean look these guys and i feel like year after year and year out i mean yeah if i wish i could find i mean last year uh, I, I drafted uh, Yellick and, and Lindor as my top two picks. I wish I could have known they were busts, right? Because they were complete busts. And uh, but you know, it's some those things are kind of hard hard to predict. But Do you see them bouncing back at all? Yellick? Not really. No. I think Yellick reverted back to what he did in Miami all those years of hitting ground balls. And that back just seemed like the issue with the back just seemed to sap his power. I just don't know if Yellow can bounce back. And I know ATC got him like a 14 stolen bases, but I think that's, I don't know if he's going to steal those many bases. So you, you prefer Bellinger over Yellow? I prefer neither. <laughs> I did an OC yesterday, a 12 teamer. Bellinger failed to pick yeah. up 83. Wow, 15th rounder in a 15 teamer. I, mean, I think in 15 teams, like, right? No, yeah, no, that's not um, no, 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 12th round, 13th round. 13th round. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm out on both. Nothing in the metrics showed me that these guys are going to bounce back. I mean, with Bellinger, at least he's on the right side of 30. Uh, but he keeps changing his swing around. I don't know. What I, don't know. I, don't, I don't trust. I don't want Bellinger. There's, there's a lot of good players out there that like him a lot. But uh, I just can't do it. I don't know. Uh, I, uh, I could be wrong. I could be right. And then uh, let, let's talk quickly about that, that third main event team. All right, let's pull that up. The team I actually was the most happy about. Where is that? I really was the most happy about this team. You get you get you know on this one as well. What I did, yes. Yeah, okay, I was I was trying to. I'm like, is this the same team? No, because I was looking at you know what, but uh, yeah, you got him there too. Okay, so talking about this is a this is a the Degrom team. Yeah, so this I went pocket aces, which I've never done before. Right. Um, I'm, I generally like to. I, I'm a zag when people zig. I look for value in drafts always. Well, you still got you still get your bags. You still got your bags coming into the five first round rounds, regardless. I know you said so. Like so, okay. So I got Degrom, and then I was not planning on pocket aces, but there was one of those six guys who scored over seventy, Giolito, and I was like, this is a a perfect spot here to really. And then once I did that, I was like, I can really you know wait on pitchers, and I went the next six rounds. I went all hitters, and I was very fortunate. I I had known that being a Mets fan, I had known that. that Marte had already played 
in a spring in a minor league spring training game, mm-hmm. and, and he played the field. And he, they just didn't want him to swing. He actually laid down a bunt, but they just didn't want him to swing. So that that told me that his issue with the oblique is more about that that um, the the motion of, of turning your hips to swing. It had nothing to do with it was not going to affect his running. He played the field for nine innings, and then um, so I said, okay, I had a feeling. I was like, so what? Why are we drafting Marte? You know, why was he you know through all of DC season a late second round pick, and why is he? on the board in the middle of thirds, you know, we were drafting for a speed. So he was just the perfect player to, to team up with, uh, with those aces. And I had a feeling Marte is some guy I was kind of maybe targeting. And then once I was hoping that, and before I took Giolito, I was like, this is the kind of guy that I want to get here in third. If he's there, it's like a slam dunk. It makes us all work. And he had gone late third or early fourth the day before in the Vegas main, or at least the one I was in. And he got there. And since then, his first two actual games of the Mets spring training, he stole a base in each game. So that's a really positive. So he, he's back. Yeah, I feel like and then and since then, his last four or five, six mains, his ADP starting to rise again. You know, to be like the early thirties. Yeah, he sort of got like really an artificial like um, like bump down because of like that he was hurt, but he's but he's now he's playing now, so there's not there's not that concern anymore. But yet he still has that his ADP still down. Yeah. So once I um, so here's a guy interesting. So the next pick, I didn't want to take, I didn't want to take O'Neill again. I could have taken O'Neill again, but I felt like I, I, I was like, if O'Neill somehow makes it back to the fifth, I would have taken him there. Right. But here's a guy that was, a, you know, a little bit of, um, a little bit of a fade for me because I was actually worried because he's 32 years old. I was worried about that the stolen bases wouldn't be there for Marcus Simeon. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that maybe, you know, so he's, he's, he's listed at ATC as him at 11. You know, like, but what if he ends up not running at all? That's part of his cooked-in value. And But his overall profile was such a good hitter. And then once I took Marte there, I said, you know, there's a guy that I still want to get bags. And I'm like, okay, so what if I can count him for 10 bags, that's good. And he's the kind of guy that, like, I feel like people are maybe underdrafting Semyon because he's not sexy. Yeah, I, so, yeah, I think that's the case. I think you're right. And, and I'm like, but I – and a lot of times in the fourth round, especially people now going with their ace and their closer, people are more desperate for speed in that fourth round. And I felt like he's like the, he just felt like the right pick where he was like, I'm not abandoning speed. I'm adding 11 bags you know, to ATC to, to my speed count. But I'm getting a, a very good hitter. Um, and, and a guy has got dual position eligibility so I could open myself up depending on what next guy like, whether he's second baseman or shortstop. Right. Um, did you, did you I, I love draft the middle infield. I love draft the middle infielders. Yeah. And you, and you stacked, um, you got Simeon, Lindor, and Seager in the next three, in the three of those four yes. rounds. Did you consider JT Romuto at all where um, you took Simeon? No, he was a little bit too. So JT, JT Romuto, I have him as uh, right below by a dollar value, right below Will Smith. Okay. I have Will Smith at like 24 and Rio Muto at 23. I have Sal Perez at 30. So, yeah. For Semyon, I think I had a 27. So, okay, I'll flip the question. Did you, would you consider Will Smith there when you took Semyon? No, because I, I had Semyon at $27. So, if okay. I had Semyon at 27, I'm going with the dollar value there. Okay. And, and I had, I think I had Will Smith a little bit higher. I think I'm at like 25. I downgraded him and Rio Muto both a dollar each. 
when I found, when the Dodgers got Freeman and the Phillies got both Castellanos and Schwarber. Because I feel like now these both of these guys are not going to get as many DH bats as people think they initially factored in. Like I, initially, I thought, okay, Smith's going to get a lot of DH bats. I'm not so sure he's going to get a lot of DH bats to the Dodgers now. We're losing some, and I'm not sure Real Muto's getting any DH bats. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. I think people assume that at first, and with all those additions, I'm not sure about that anymore. You got Kalenic, you got Kalenic here in the 11th, not the 10th. I got him around later. Yeah, yeah, I I generally don't. I think Shane Baz with one exception, I took a round earlier, and Plesak I took a round earlier. But I, I write down where I took a guy um, prior, and I tried to avoid taking him earlier. So if I take another share, I try to give him a little bit even more of a value. That's smart because it's an overall competition. Which happened in this particular draft because this draft, I ended up taking um, Luis Castillo three rounds later in round 13. Yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, there you go. And you got Pablo so, Lopez. I think, I don't know, you might have got him around. I got right? the same round, same, same one. Round. So okay. here's the thing. So I, I, I took six straight hitters. So after I took Marte, Simeon, Lindor, uh, Austin Riley. And then I, I went, I mean, essentially, my last two drafts were the same, seven, eight, nine. Seeger again, the seventh. Grandal again, the eighth. And then Pablo Lopez again, the ninth. And, and Pablo Lopez was, again, he's just a guy that, in that pocket of pitches I like. And um, I thought, you know, just because you take pocket aces, I still want to get one more starter in the first 10 rounds. And um, I didn't like the, the closers were flying off the board. I didn't like the closers. But in the 10th, I took a closer um, a couple of days before they announced it's a, it's a timeshare. Yeah. David Bednar. But again, I, I still skills. Bednar got a 64 in my algorithm, which is, uh, you know, very good for a relief pitcher. It's, it's not the same as a starting pitcher getting a number, but it's very good. And I think, let me see what Chris Stratton has. Chris Stratton has, um, let's see here. I don't know why I can't pull this up now. Oh, here we go. Okay, so Chris Stratton. I don't know, my mouth's not working now. Everything's <laughs> fucked up. Anyway, um, I don't know why that's doing it to me. Okay, so... Yeah, so I, I mean, at the end of the day, no, I would not have taken Bednar in the tenth if that news had come out before I drafted. I would have sat right. him down a few more rounds. Okay, but uh, he's actually pitching really well so far in the spring, and I do think spring stats matter for unsettled bullpens. I think they they matter a lot for starting pitchers. I think what matters the most is um, is getting the pitch count, velocity, right? Uh, and for relief pitchers, I think results matter especially for, uh, you know, younger arms. So he's pitching well. And um, then we took Soto in the 12th and Kellenic in between. Um, Soto seems to have a little bit more of a job security, but skills-wise, Soto is not nearly as good as Bednar, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So um, we'll see how long. I, you know, this idea of, I mean, how many teams outside like the Rays and the Reds last year really had like this like hodgepodge true committee? It generally ends up being one guy. Yeah, except except certain teams like the Reds and the Rays. Yeah, that's yeah, besides the Rays and the Reds last year. Yeah. Like the and Reds Roy, Royals, Royals a little bit. 
A little bit. Royals, yeah. They had a point where they were using Stonemount for a little bit. Then they went back to Barlow. Um, who did they start with? A little bit. Kennedy at first? Um, no, Kennedy was in Philly already. Uh, start with somebody else at first. Uh, Wade Davis? Was it Wade? Yeah, they had a reunion with Wade Davis. So, yeah, they, they went a little bit over the all over the map there in KC. Yeah. But generally, you're going to have one guy. Um, I, I, you know, before the last year started, I could have sworn, and correct me if I was wrong, that they had said the same thing about Rich Rodriguez. That was going to be a timeshare. He wasn't necessarily going to be the closer. Every Similar yeah. comments about Rich Rodriguez before the season started. Where, in Atlanta? No, no, no. When he was in no, Pittsburgh last year. At the beginning of the season. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that's right. He went to Atlanta. Um, he went to Atlanta at trade deadline. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I believe they did say that. They did say that. He ended up being pretty much the guy. Yeah. Except until, 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 he got until he got traded. Until he got traded. Until he got traded. Yeah. Until he got traded. But I remember they saying, like, and people were like downgrading him, like, oh, no, they just said it's a timeshare. And they're going to give some other people roles. But then it, just, it ended up being just Rodriguez until he got traded. So we'll see what happens with, with Bednar. But obviously, if no information I know now. I think the last few drafts he goes more in the 11th or 12th. And that's probably the better value for him than the 10th. Yeah, but give or take, you still got Clinic in the 11th, so it was sort of like a give and take. Yeah, because I got a clinic about it around later. Yeah, so. And um, I, I do like the post-hype guys. Oh, the, the other one guys I really wanted to get, but uh, just didn't work out for my team, and, it, and the need wasn't as much because I didn't need as much speed, was Joe Adele. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> No, but I, so yeah, no, I, no, I, I, I could I just because you said post type and then and you said I don't know I just tried to, had a feeling that yeah way. so Joe Adele I was big on Joe Adele um, it just didn't happen and then a lot of times when it would come up I just didn't I just was able to attack speed so early in these drafts where I just didn't need a Joe Adele right you know I, I'd rather go with maybe a, a bat you know the outfield bat that would be a little bit more like like for example in the 14th in this league I took Verdugo. So, you know, you could, you could pass in Joe Adele earlier rounds and then just take a guy that's more, you know, going to have an everyday job in Boston. Very, That's a really good lineup in Boston, huh? Oh, yeah. It's with Story batting sixth. Yeah, Story batting sixth. But I don't know how long Kiki's going to lead off. We'll see. How long Kiki's going to lead off? Yeah, I don't know if that's going to last. They could put Verdugo back up there. They could put Verdugo back up there. Or yeah, I don't know who else. I don't know. I don't know how they do that. But story batting six, paying him what one hundred and forty million dollars to bat six. That's a, that's a tough look. Yeah, well, like, like Kyle Tucker batting six, and people take him in the first round. I know. And Kyle Tucker might actually bat six most of the year. That's that's the. He might. Thing. He might. I can say I, um, I, I don't see any indication of him moving up in, in that lineup really. But he was fine batting six last year, so he still produced. So I don't think you could really be too really worried about him batting six because he's still putting up numbers in that lineup. Yeah. So, so we'll see how, how that ends up, but um, yeah, I got, I, I got Gonsolin in this one. Gonsolin's the kind of guy that I was pretty high on going to last year and he just never recovered from his injury. And then when he, when he pitched, he just he just walked too many guys, but he still struck out a lot in those limited innings. Uh, he had a lot of those like three and two thirds, and just walked, just built up too high of a pitch count. And they had him on a very short leash. But I'm hoping that he can uh, break out. I took him in the 20th round. Uh, I got two shares of Police Act. Happy Police Act Day! Yeah, I took him in the 22nd and 23rd. I need some shares to be uh, to celebrate that holiday this year. Yeah, you got to go, go get 
I mean, I, I, those shares are fine. And if you actually look at those pictures being taken around that period, um, there might be some more high, there are definitely going to be some more high upside guys, but there's not those many like inning eaters in those, in those post 300 pick, you know, this is like the post 330 yeah. uh, selections. He's the kind of guy that you, you know, he's gonna have a, a rotation spot with Cleveland mm-hmm. and he's going to, you know, he's going to get you innings. And he's the kind of guy that right now he's literally just two start. He's a two start pitcher. I mean, if he's got two starts you put him in the lineup, uh, I mean, depending, I mean, I don't know if you want to, if the two starts are going to be at Chicago and at Toronto, you do not want to put him in the lineup. Um, he actually pitched well today. In, in spring training. Yeah, I saw that. So uh, we're going we're gonna to keep celebrating. And then you got Ken Giles. I took him to 23rd, but now this hand tendon injury, I think he's a cut now. That's tough. I don't know. I don't know how severe that injury is, but uh, yeah, he's definitely know. a consideration. I, but they, I just saw Erickson just draft him this morning in the 29th. So I was like, is he a hold for a week? Just draft him in the 29th. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd cut him. I don't know if I'd cut him yet. Maybe not. Maybe I'd wait one more week. We'll see. I, I don't. I don't necessarily like, but I, I think with this team, I have to cut them. I have, I have Degrom and Castillo. I mean, losing Degrom changes everything. Yeah, it does. Um, I so just have, don't know if I can stash and. Well, you know, well, who else is there in your stashes? You have, you have Castillo, Degrom. That's okay. You That's can hold. It. You can hold. A Rushman, a Rushman, but I'm okay with Rushman for now. You're gonna take. You're gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna play him in your starting lineup. So you have two. You have two stashes. You can do two stashes. I think. Um, I know. Yeah, I prefer to start the season with two. I like to start the season with one, not two. But yeah, I'm gonna start with two on two teams. What about Gavin? Like what about Gavin Sheets? You know what? Um, I think it was. Um, I don't know who did it to me at the party. Uh, somebody at the party. <laughs> well, obviously, I, I I like Gavin Sheets less since AJ Pollock trade. Right. But somebody at the Mike the Mouth party did not stop talking about how. Gavin Sheets is going to get all the right, all the DH of bats against right-handers. Yeah, I think I, was maybe, I might have been part of that conversation. Was it like he was going on and on? And then I went to my room and I looked up Gavin Sheets. I, I did another deep dive on him. So I um, is it James Anderson or Rudy Gamble? I forget who. No, maybe not. No, I forgot who said, but I, I um, I, I think it was there. For and I took him. In those the next two main events in like the last couple like this one I took him in the 29th round, I took him in like 28th and 29th, but now with um, with the AJ Pollock acquisition I'm gonna see how the whole thing shakes out. Gavin Sheets might not be long for my team, but I have no I, I'm gonna keep him at first and see that maybe he is if he's all of a sudden part of that right-handed lineup, you know, going against right-handers and he could be a useful guy in, in spot appearances. Um, but he does not have. Uh, you know, safe tenure on the. This is the bad guy. So all, all my teams this year are all tribute to Scott Hall, my favorite wrestler of all time. So one team is the Outsiders, one's the Wolf Pack, and this one's the bad guys. So it's all shout out to to good old Razor Ramon, Scott Hall. Yeah, I, love, I remember. I remember watching those the documentary on him. That's crazy. Like that's crazy. Just like a. Uh, it was sad, right? And yeah, it's sad. What a, what a life that guy had, though, man. That's uh, he had a life. He was, a, and then he was I found a, out he, he was a party boy, but he was sober for several years. And then he went off the wagon during COVID when he was trapped by himself and he really couldn't see people. Mm. It's too bad. It's too bad. Um, so that is, that's pretty much what it's looking like right now. So, I mean, 
to, to one of the strategies that um, obviously we discussed a little bit to nauseam is, is to really try to get batting average or batting average with speed. Do not get shitty speed. And early on, I like loading up with a bunch of just uh, last couple of rounds with, with shitty relievers, not shitty relievers, relievers that don't necessarily have a closing job because you know, one, they might end up a closing job and two, they're useful for the first half week. Even if you're getting an inning or two. Yep. That's t- that's, has that's, that's, better than a zero. That's a good point because a lot of your starters aren't starting that first week. Well, not a lot, but there's like, like you have a couple of them that aren't. Yeah. A couple of them are, you know, that's what happens. Um, and yeah. And, and then the biggest zag I did is I did not want to pay the high price for closers. And a lot, a lot so of people, a lot of people, a lot of people are doing that though. So what's your favorite team of the three of them? Well, it was by, I know it was but right now would, at this point, what is. Damn. Um, right now, my favorite team, if it's not the bad guys, then it's going to be the outsiders. It's going to be my, my Trey Turner team. Right. I like that team. I think that's my favorite team of yours as well. You like your pitching, your pitching's really good in that, in that, on that team. But it really wasn't. But if DeGrom is healthy, do you like the bad guys the best? I think I still, I think I still like, well, I think like I still would. I still would have liked the first team the best with the, the Trey Turner team because you, you you have such a solid pitching staff. Let's look at that for just like we didn't really go into as much detail on that team. Um, I really like um, just to list your pitchers like Bieber, like it, he's still healthy now. Trevor Rogers, Montas, Evaldi, like those that top four is just really really good. Along with like yes. like a, like all the hitters you had as well. So I, I, I like yeah, I like I, I, honestly, man, I think it's a cheat code having Trey Turner because by having Trey Turner, I was able to just uh, be comfortable taking there was a point in which i was like because I was, I was picking on the turn there was a point where most turn picks i would just make sure i take one pitcher in each turn and i was just like loading up on good pitchers yeah and i like the like I, I think i'd like your closers the best on that team like i know deval doesn't have a job right now but like you never know like people talk i, about I love i love deval skills it looks like matt barnes is gonna have that job oh, yeah, yeah matt, maddie bonds and you got and this team got Kizak. joe ryan as yeah. my fifth starter and then you got Shane Baz, who can come back and light it up. Yep. And then you got, and then you got Plesac and Hunter Green, who's starting the rotation to start the year. Yep. And then you have Melendez. And then like Waka. Yep. Um, and he's like my eighth starter. So right, right. Let's see here. So you got um, Rogers is two, Montas three, Yavaldi four, uh, Joe Ryan five, Baz when he comes back, he's gonna be better than a five. But let's say for now six, Plesac seven, Hunter Green eight. The walk is my ninth starter. Yeah, that's really good. I like, like I said, I like that team a lot. It's very balanced. We're the top hitters there. So you got uh, Turner, Sal Perez, Francisco Lindor, Austin Riley, uh, Winker, Kellenic, Meadows. Oh, yeah. my I went to a point where all five hitters I took were, when I took hitters, were all outfielders. Winker, Kellenic, Meadows, Grossman, and Adelise Garcia. I think Kirilov won't play at first base, but he could also play outfield. Right, so great team. He left the game today. I hope. He's yeah, I saw there. that. I haven't heard anything more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, so that's my favorite team now, only because um, I just I did I did love the, the build of Degrom and Giolito with six straight hitters, but that is not the case anymore. That's kind of be my least favorite team. So let's favorite. let's end it off on. What's the one piece of advice you give? There's going to be main events tonight, tomorrow night, and all next week. What's the one piece of advice you give to someone like myself? But aside from just uh, getting good average and speed early, what's the one thing that you would um, 
you'd, 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 you'd say to people? Um, look at the draft. I always look at the draft at six groups. I look at every five rounds as a group. And I really try to, especially in those first three to four groups, I try to get uh, two yellow stickers in each group. Um, and if I can't, then the next group, I'm going to front load or the vice versa. Like if I get too much, whatever, I normally, you're not going to see me. I'm not going to, I'm not ever going to be the guy that's going to start with three yellow stickers in the first five picks. That's just not right. my style. So, but I, I want to get two. And there's one draft where I couldn't get two. Uh, I only got one, but, and if so, if I, if I didn't, then I overcompensate. I, I just, I think it's balanced. I think that in the main event, uh, half the money is going to the overall prize pool. So this is not a league. This is not a super or ultimate or, or platinum where you can just uh, do a, a little bit or an orthodox strategy and, and, and win the league. You gotta be balanced. You, I mean, to, to win, I, I'm gonna, I don't know the exact numbers, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming most of your categories, you gotta be in the 90th percentile and maybe your, your worst category is in the 80th percentile. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know. I mean, there's some other people cranking out the math better than me that know that, but I just know that you can't come up lame in any category. So you got to constantly be balanced and uh, don't get cute. I saw some, some drafts that I was there where people were making um, a controversial, sexy start, and then they just went too far Yeah, with that, you know? And... and um, and there's a point where we can go too far. And the same thing with hitters. There's like, um, you can start off, you can start off with four hitters and rebound. You can't rebound if you start off with five hitters. Or very or that much harder. And even four is tough. So um, you just got to be balanced. I, I, I get it. Look, I, I know that, and I know what some people did, you know, in that one main, league, main event league on Saturday. I know two very good players went four pitchers in the first five picks. I know there's some, there's a very well-known player that wants to go five or six straight pitches yeah, to start off. I was just thinking about him. Okay. Yeah. So listen, maybe they're going to prove me wrong, but I want to see that win the main event. And, and you know, um, it wasn't Phil. I know it's a small sample size of, of 17 main events or 18 main events, but Phil, this was the first year that Phil won the overall by taking somebody took a pitch in the first round. Mm -hmm. Now the pitcher was Degrom. He was so dominant for half a year that he's still probably a, a good first-round value. Yep. Uh, but even Degrom technically got hurt, right? So, is is Degrom he got, to, he got to replace? He got to replace him too. So he got to replace him with whatever, maybe, whatever value it is, whatever, whatever it was. If he needed an extra hitter or pitcher, like, but he also had such yeah. other great pitchers as well. And he, it was just an anomaly type of year for him. Like, well, not an anomaly. It was just like such a an amazing, an amazing year for Phil. Three months. It's, like, it's hard to oh, even so compare. Yeah. It's hard to yeah, even compare. Like, so it, it's not like a. So even that's not a perfect example. So like, I don't know. I mean, again, you can definitely win with a, a pitcher in the first or this and the other. I, I do think that, um, I just think that buyer beware when it comes to uh, paying the current market rate for these, for these top uh, nine closers. Yeah. Because uh, now we have Kimbrell in there now, right? Yeah, yeah so, you, gotta, you gotta be wary. Because I think you're just not buying any, there's no profit left to buy. You're like, you're buying to hope you return value, which I know, I guess in the first five rounds, a lot of those picks are just, you're hoping to return it close to the value, right? You're not going to get a, a, a big margin, but, but the, the downside of, I mean, yeah, you can have for every yellow quest, a complete like falters, mm -hmm. a top closure could be the next like 
Rosenthal, where you get nothing. Yep. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> you know, and like Yellick is like the extreme. Like Yellick was horrific. Yeah. Uh, pretty bad. A lot of times, a lot of times, a, a, a bad first round pick could be like a, or early second round pick could be a Lindor. Yep. The there's also pick. Bellinger. Yeah. They were, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch Bellinger. of busts. There's, there's going to be busts in these first rounds. They just, but, but they his closers can really bust. His closers can really bust. Absolutely. Yeah. Last year was a good year for closer. It's a great so, year for closer. So I, I'd be careful with that. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's the one thing that I, it's just, it's, it's the biggest question. Everyone's talking about it. What do you do with them? Because it's so different every year. Draft skills. Year in, year out, guys good. with skills uh, work out. You know? Draft good uh, players. Draft good players, man. It, it sounds, sounds and even for position people, even for position players, though this year it seemed like, Zach, that the position battles are more subtle going to season than they were last year. Where I felt like there was a lot more times you're like batting, well, this guy might not have a great avenue for at-bats or is confusing, but he's a lot more better skill. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the depth charts, maybe because the DH and the NL just open up a bunch of more spots for playing time, right? Where it's less of a concern for playing time. But even then, don't worry as much about um, starting positions, especially once you get past the first fifteen rounds and draft good players. Draft good players. That's what I've always said. Draft good players. Draft good pitchers. Draft good hitters. Mm-hmm. Don't draft. And, uh, don't draft Whit Merrifield and Miles Straw. Like they're good, but they're not. They're not they're, there's just better. There's just better players around that time. I, yeah, I get. I get the roto aspect of it, but you 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 can. There's a, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat, and uh, you don't need to. You don't need to overcompensate and get those stolen bases with all in one. There's, Correct. There's, there's a way. There's a way to do it with it. With there's a way to do it with getting excellent players early on. You don't need to settle for players that just. Don't hit the ball well. Yeah, I know we talk about JTR, so maybe he is a fade. The more I talk about him, how many stolen bases do you think he's actually going to get now? Uh, like he what? He's like projected around ten. So I think I think he could steal ten again. See, I don't know if he can because I don't know if he's going to get as many plate appearances as he did last year. Castellanos and Schwarber is a big two big bat additions. You know that's you know, and you have Hoskins, yeah, and Harper. I mean, there's just not enough positions for these guys to play. Yeah, it depends where he's hitting the order, too. Um, I don't know how many of his stolen bases were on double steals, like him and Harper um, together. Yeah. So I just think that, um, yeah, he's also on the wrong side of 30. I just, I worry more about him. Uh, I know I know the Mets were, was one of the people we were looking at this maybe sign last year, so I did a lot of, more of a, a deep dive on him and how he was and I read a lot of articles on the athletic and Tim Britton, how catchers age past age, you know, 30 and those that use their legs. And I'm more concerned about him I, yeah, I'm, just for the stolen base aspect. Yeah. Because that's a lot of, that's because without stolen bases, he now becomes, he now starts getting sucked down to um, closer to Yasmani Grandal than he is to Will Smith. Yeah. He does have the batting average too, but yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, he has. I mean, he's still going to be a very good hitter. I don't yeah. know. I just, I just, I worry. I worry about. I wouldn't really pay the cost of the price that he's coming going for right now. So, Fair enough. all right, let's we'll wrap it up. Bit. Let's wrap it up here, War Dog. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say? Um, find you at I am the War Dog on Twitter. Glad. It, great to meet you in Vegas. Yes. Can't wait, can't wait yes. to do it again. Like I said last year, we got to plan. We got to plan like a real dinner with with uh, with everyone that we were hanging out let's with. Let's do something for that and Thursday night. Yeah. 
get in early Thursday night. We'll plan something like, let's get to a good steakhouse or something like that. Get everyone, invite everyone who wants to come and let's just do it. Yeah, let's do that. I'm down. Hey, good luck. So you're doing, how many mains have you done already? I've done one. I've done one. I'm doing another one uh, tomorrow with my buddy Graham. And then I just signed up for a third, um, which I'm doing on Thursday morning. Thursday morning. Look at you. So you're doing three as well. Yeah. So um, let's see. Let's see how we do, Mr. Waxman. Let's see. Um, oh, let's see. We both got three. Let's see who, you know, who has the best average finish between our three teams in the yeah. overall. Yeah, we can. Let's uh, go. Whoever, whoever finishes um, better than buys the stake in Vegas on Thursday night. So the best. So we're going by the best teams. Yeah, but okay, so best, whoever has let's go average roto score. Like out of like if you have 120 roto points, average like don't take you know, your place. It, it, I, I think it should be more fair only because I'm already sitting on DeGrom on one of my teams. Okay. So, so what do you want? Best best one, best team. Best team. So best overall best. Do you want to say both best overall finish in like in the contest, like in placing like, in the overall competition? In the overall competition, we both have three bullets on it, even though one of my bullets is wounded with DeGrom. You got okay. three clean bullets. Okay, that's Whatever fair. The, I'm in. The, so the, the best, best overall buys buys the stake. The oh, the best overall buys it. So oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. The best overall gets, gets treated gets, gets treated to dinner. Okay, that's uh, you yeah. got yourself a deal on Thursday night. Okay, you got yourself a deal on Thursday night. Okay. All right, you got it, brother. All right, Take man. Care, my man. Good luck All right. this season. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah, you too. All right, brother. Later. All right, peace.